Hello and welcome to the Hooligan Report for another week. I'm your host as always, SM, and with me once again I have Boyan. G'day. And we also have Cruyff. Hello, I am fantastic. Well, one one win closer to winning the title, Mr. Mourinho. Yes, we need we need four points from four game. We we do it. We win title even if final day we win. Now, how how's the um, bus looking? Any damage after the game? Bus no bus bus in condition. I th- I think uh, good condition. They they come away with nil old draw. It was good. And what did you make of the Arsenal fans chanting "boring, boring Chelsea"? I think ten years without title is boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Nah, in, in in all seriousness, though, I I thought it'd be uh, nil or they'd nick it one nil, and I mean it might not be pretty, but it's effective and effectiveness wins football games. So good on them for for being able to do that and do it with such with with such um effectiveness, I guess. Well, they didn't win the football game, I guess, but they'll win the title. But I mean, what what I'm saying is though yeah. that yeah, no. over the course of a season, they've gone to away to the big sides and defend it well, and it, it's worked pretty much every time. Yeah, absolutely. You can't really fault the, uh, the process, and they've scored the most goals in the Premier League whilst doing it, so it's not even as if they're um, not scoring freely when they want to. I guess, I guess that's the only frustration, is that you look at a side like Chelsea and you think if they really went out to attack Arsenal last night, we could have had you know, a classic game, but you feel like Chelsea games these days against the big sides aren't ever going to be you know, put in the archives yeah. as a classic game. More dour affairs and rough, yeah. uh, sort of just grinding out a result rather than going for it and taking a few risks. But I mean, they'll, they'll win the title of performances like that, and and it's and it's well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. You can't fault them for that, really. Um, you kind of get the feeling that you know, if one of those big sides gets an early goal against them, it'd be very interesting to see how they adjusted their tactics because obviously, you know, once once they're a goal down, they'll have to go a bit more attacking. Um, but we haven't really seen that this season. They haven't really gone a goal down from memory. I think against the, in those two Man City one-all draws, they scored first in both games. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they would what they would do. But I guess we'll have to wait till till next season. I think that even if that did happen, though, Mourinho has the tactical uh, noose and or now sort of you want to call it, and and he's got the personnel to 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 be flexible and allow his team to push forward when needed and and ch- change it up. Oh, for sure, for sure. Situation requires. But if they if they then had to push up, it would become a much more open game. Oh, definitely, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so it would be interesting. Uh, what were your thoughts, Boyan? Did you catch any of the game? Uh, uh you had to, Did you head to bed after the uh, the early game? Uh, I went to bed at half time of the early game. Bloody <laughs> hell! But um, oh, look, I, I, yes, bought, bought a house on Sunday. Uh, had a few drinks and Congratulations. I was pretty cooked. Uh, to be honest, uh, after that, and yeah, didn't re- didn't really enjoy uh, the first half of United Everton. Um, but on the on the Arsenal Chelsea game, it's kind of ironic. Arsenal fans uh, chanting about boring, boring Chelsea. They must have pretty short memories for getting the uh, George Graham era at uh, the library. But um, yes, I must say. I mean, I'm sure. I, well, I, we know if you, if you look at the form that Chelsea fans don't really care how they get the job done. But um, personally, I don't enjoy watching them. But you know, that's um, yeah. At, at this stage of the year, you kind of look at them in these games and you see, well, they only really need to draw against Arsenal. Arsenal have to do all the attacking, and so they just set up defensively, get the job done, and. Um, not great for the viewer, but when has Mourinho ever cared about that? It'd be really fascinating to learn what the what the players honestly think of the style. Whether they, 
buy into the philosophy and they're more than happy just to sit back and play defensive football because obviously it means that they'll then uh, win more trophies or, or whether the players don't enjoy having that attacking freedom in games. Um, obviously, I don't think we'd get a, an honest answer from the players. but well, I think... Oh, you go. Well, I think whilst they're winning, they don't care and they'll just continue to buy into whatever um, Jose does and Jose does have a good record of making these kind of flair players, um, I guess, fall into line. And um, with Eden Hazard, a slightly underrated um, change, I guess, over the last couple of years, well, since Mourinho come back, is he's done a lot more work defensively. So he's gotten those kind of flair players. Hazard used to kind of be, I guess, um, standing out on the wing, and if he lost the ball, he'd get a little bit more well, narking, and he wouldn't um, track back. But now, yeah, he basically runs his ass off. What I was going to say, football's about winning, and I think if the players are winning trophies, it doesn't matter how how it comes to them. I mean, at the end of the day, they're on the pitch earning hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. Yeah. And, I mean, if they're winning and they, they, they get a trophy at the end of the season, I don't think it doesn't matter how they play. That's my, that's in my opinion anyway, that if, if, as long as they're winning, they'd be happy. But are you guys suggesting perhaps if, you know, hypothetically next season Man United come out, win the title, Man City have a resurgence under a new manager and Chelsea end up third or fourth, that the players might go a bit off the boil with, you know, Mourinho might lose the dressing room or do you reckon Mourinho's canny enough to adjust his tactics? I honestly couldn't see that happening. Okay. I know it's a hypothetical, but I can't see a Mourinho side, particularly the one he has now, slipping to third. City and United, in my opinion, need a lot of work done and... It's, it'd be naive to think that new players can come in and jail straight away and, and, and just make it happen. Whereas Mourinho's been there for what, a season now, I think, or two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. Two seasons, and he's made he's got his team playing the way he wants. They all understand each other, so... But I guess uh, I guess what I'm asking, like you guys are saying that the players can justify it in their minds because they're winning trophies, but if they stopped yes. winning trophies, would that therefore make the players a bit more uh, reluctant or, or rise, you know resist... Mourinho's game style. I don't know. I think that, I think that's a very good question. I, I would honestly have no idea, and to find that out, you'd actually obviously have to ask them. But yeah. I think them on the podcast might be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you can get Jose to call them up and, and get them on, can't you? <laughs> oh, maybe. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, personally, I think that um, Chelsea do need to st- strengthen their team over the. Summer, if they want to go back to back, because I think that uh, United and the City will do some heavy rebuilding and bring in top level players. And they have got a good enough team just to kind of eke out these straws and 1 0 wins uh, this season. But I don't think it's going to be so easy for the next year, too, because there are uh, gaps in terms of depth in that team. They have some great depth in certain positions, but. In other positions, they really are lacking. Their strike force and is very really overwhelming. Went, yeah, so they, they don't have enough uh, top-line forwards. So I'm not sure if they're going to bring in uh, Solanke or perhaps a, a Bamford and give them a run. Uh, hopefully that they do, because it'll be good for the club going forward. Um, and we've mentioned earlier early in the year, if, if a Hazard or a Fabregas is down or injured, they can't struggle to create anything. So that, there are areas. I mean, you, I, I guess the other thing, I mean, they, they miss someone like a... De Bruyne, but um, Chelsea have, have, I guess, uh, under the financial fair play regulations, they more need to sell to buy than the other clubs in, in the top four. 
Um, so whereas United can go out and spend 150 million and not worry this year, Man City similar Arsenal as well. As well. Before the need to sell players, Arsenal as well. Whereas Chelsea, I mean, don't get me wrong, their transfer record over the last couple of years has been phenomenal, selling that absolute potato, David Louise, and then bringing in, bringing in um, Cesc Fabregas and Diego Costa. Look, if they can do that again, then they should win the league again. But um, I'm not sure how many more potatoes they have on, on their list to, to sell to PSG. Okay, well... So we... we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. I, I th- Chelsea, I think if they sign another quality backup centre-forward in the, in the style of Remy, or the ilk of Remy, because Drogba will retire at the end of this season, I think, and... Um, I think if they get some, add some more depth and maybe another body in midfield, in the centre of midfield, I think there's no reason why they can't win it again next year. But that's providing that other clubs don't don't um, make the signings necessary that they need to do as well. Well, speaking of other clubs, we might move on now and talk about the other game from last night, which we, we briefly touched on, and that was uh, Everton and Manchester United, where Everton quite comfortably ran out. And I think that's three wins in a row now for Everton at Goodison Park, um, Boyan. And it's a bit of a crazy record, especially given the season Everton's had, but they've kind of had a, a resurgence lately. Mate, we've been struggling to play Goodison Park since Duncan Ferguson was around. <laughs> so it, that's, it's not new news um, for us. So to struggle there, I guess we played. I mean, we. I don't want to use excuses with, with injuries, but we were. We played uh, a relatively useless side um, and were pretty naive there. So we. I mean, once they scored that early goal, kind of like we were talking about, if Arsenal got an early goal in the Chelsea game, the game would yeah. open up. Well, Everton got the early goal. Um, United opened up, and that left uh, plenty of space on the counter attack. So at half time, uh, yeah. It was done pr- pretty pretty much. So because and it's an area that I can tell you right now, United will definitely strengthen um, in the off season with a half fit Van uh, Percy just who's played only under twenty one since coming back from injury and a uh, Falcao who's obviously a shadow of of his former self. We struggle to have players to bring on who can change the game at the moment, which the other teams um, in in the top four have. So that that will be addressed in the summer, and we'll be able to if we go down if we lose an early goal, we'll be able to adapt a lot better. And I, I know that sounds silly because we've got Di Maria on the bench, but um, I think we all know the way he's played this year. What, what, what was, happened? Oh, you go. I was going to ask. I mean, what's happened to Di Maria? I mean, I saw him coming off the bench and almost had almost forgotten about him as a United player, and he's really he really <laughs> has <laughs> he's really looked quite. Patchy, well, even not even that in the second half of this season. I mean, what's really happened to him? Well, all, I mean, all the talk. I mean, I've, I've mentioned on previous podcasts about the, the off-field issues he's, he's had and injuries and that kind of stuff. He hasn't regained his form since the start of the year before he got before he um, strained his hamstring. But uh, all the indications are that is that are that he wants to stay. Whether that's because no one wants to come in and buy him, and he's on a pretty. Uh, Fair whack in terms of his contract uh, is one thing. Always, I mean, these footballers t- can be quite proud, so he probably wants to prove himself. He had a tattoo of number seven uh, on, on, the, on his arm, newly um, put on. I think we'll give him an, another season, unless PSG come in with a stupid offer, then we'll give him another season to see see how he goes. I mean, you, you don't lose that talent. It's not like Falcao where he's done his knee, something like that, and he's lost his pace, and for some reason he's finishing as well but the, the talent is the same um so yeah he needs another full pre-season and we'll see how he goes 
I think United's next season hinges on whether De Gea stays or not. Because if they lose him, goalkeepers are very hard to replace. We got Victor Valdez. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's still a step down from what De Gea has been. Well, mate, he's the well. In my opinion, he's the second best keeper going around at the moment behind uh, Neuer. I hope Kaiser Chief doesn't listen to this podcast. Thibaut says hello. Sorry? Thibaut Courtois says hello. Well, mate, I think you'll find when we get to the player of the season, sorry, the <laughs> uh, team of the season area, you'll find a hair in there quite comfortably. Yeah, I um, agree with that. <laughs> and Gary uh, Cahill, too. Sorry? And Gary Cahill and Coutinho. Oh, mate, he wouldn't make my bloody... <laughs> Um, I, I, just, uh, I just know uh, that if if De Gea does leave to Madrid, most likely destination if he does go, I think it will dent United progressing forward as much as they want to next season because that money, obviously you get money for De Gea, let's say 50 million for argument's sake, but then you need to reinvest in the keeper, hope he adapts quickly enough, and then you've got to fill the other areas of your squad that need improving as well. Well, it, it really depends on, um, as you say, do we reinvest that money or or kind of w- what happens? Do we do a player swap? You see, I mean, De Gea has saved us a lot um, this, this season as our defence is kind of chopped and changed, adapting to the philosophy and all this kind of stuff. But I know people on the forum will laugh at this, but if we were, say, to, able to swap him for a Varane, then suddenly the defence gets better and so there's less shots on goal, there's less need for that excellent keeper, but uh, Valdez is contracted for the whole of next season. They can probably, if they strengthen the defence, then they don't need such a good keeper. I mean, in an ideal world, we can do both and keep De Gea and get in a Hummels or a Varane or a Laporte or one of these uh, good central um, defenders. But it, look, if we if the De Gea goes and we bring in, say, we give um, Real $30 million in De Gea for bail and don't buy a centre-half, yeah, we're in trouble. But... I mean, centre half again. You've got to hope here that's quickly enough to the pace and physicality. Like, say, maybe Hummels might might fit straight in if you buy him for argument's sake. But I mean, it's easier said than done to say, "Oh, yeah, we can buy player X and we'll be challenging for the title." Uh, don't know. You might have bought Eric Cantona and then won the title. Football. Um, <laughs> um, After bought Dennis Bergkamp and challenged for the title, would that really change the rest of the team? It's possible. I mean. But, but I, I guess... mean, very. If, if if Arsenal strengthen where they need to, like say a DM, maybe a goalkeeper and a centre back, City revamp this, which we know they probably will and have the money to. Chelsea will only get better, and if United push as well, and you can even throw Liverpool into the equation, the race for the title can be very interesting next year or next oh, season rather. Right, it's going to be great. So I mean, it's disappointing. Well, although it's it's not really reflected in uh, in British teams performances in the Champions League, but United, or sorry, not United, the Premier League in general, and especially the top four, are just going to pillage all the other top leagues because they've got so much more money. They're just going to go around fighting fires. <laughs> um, pillage, yeah, now Outside of Barca and Real and probably Bayern, just start picking off their best players. And when we're talking about, I guess, players adapting to, to the Premier League. Um, the rumours, I'm not sure if going to, going to happen, but if you bring in a Hummels and a Gundogan at the same time, so Gundogan can play in midfield, play with Hummels, and if you watch Bayern play, a lot of it is um, Subotic and Hummels Dortmund. playing the ball into Gundogan, who then plays the ball out. So if you bring in these these two players who know how to play with each other, that'll probably help that, that transition. 
Um, yeah. and, on, and on the game, like it's we. I'd really want United to go and get Gundogan because we United without Michael Carrick look uh, hopeless. Sort of struggle. I wouldn't say hopeless because we drew with. Oh, sorry, we lost to Chelsea one 0 despite having a seventy-five percent possession. But uh, we look, we don't transition the ball from defence to mid to midfield and to the forwards quickly enough with Daly Blind in there. Or uh, yeah, with David Bloom moving the ball forward, um, and her, her, the partnership between Herrera and Carrick is, is fantastic. So we either need Carrick in there as soon as possible, back from injury, but we need to look to the future and buy a Gundogan or a, a, a player, not necessarily a holding midfielder, but a player that plays at centre midfielder and, and can come deep and get the ball, mm. and, then, and then move the ball forward. So we, you know, need to look to the future and address that hole pretty soon if they want to contend for the title. I think that's really the most the, the position where you know need to strengthen the most. Is, yeah. Well, they need to find that that midfielder and Gundogan. Um, he's had back. Obviously, had that uh, spinal issue. And occasionally it, it flares up, but I think um, I've been I've been reading a few tweets by a few German journalists like uh, Raphael Honigstein and, and and a few of the other ones, and what what and in, in his opinion and a few others, 20 million pounds seems to be a great deal for both sides. You know, to get a guy who's come back and he's had a season back from that injury and he's playing well. And Dortmund get a plot, get that twenty million pounds, so roughly thirty million euros for a guy with, I guess, a injury cloud that might hang over him for the rest of his career. So it could be a good deal for both parties, and he's only got the one year left in his contract. Mm, it'd be interesting indeed. Hmm. Is that to pay? Yes, I am. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we'll move on from the the top four games, and we'll talk about the uh, the relegation battle now. Just you guys more have, exciting you, than anything. You guys have had a bit of a uh, bit of a talk about the uh, top four. Um, we'll move on and, and talk about some of the big games over the weekend that involved the relegation battlers. And we had Leicester beating Burnley one nil, uh, as well as Hull beating Crystal Palace two nil. What were your thoughts on those games, boys? How great has Leicester's resurgence been for them to be? Rooted to the bottom of the table for how many of a month? And they've got one four on the trot now, and there's eighteen. I mean, I, I think it's great to see if they can pull off the greatest. If I think that it'd be the greatest escape in the history of the Premier League. Uh, can't say anything. Well, as soon as I said that Burnley okay, would no stay up Cheers. and Leicester were locked to die down, I was made to look an absolute fool. Um, and Burnley. That, Danny Ings needs to sort his shit out pretty pretty soon because the way he talks, talks to the refs and to his own players, he's a bit of a disgrace and he's a little bit of a head of himself. He looks like a player that knows he'll be playing for a top 10 team next year. He needs to pull his head in and, and concentrate on trying to get Burnley out of the relegation. Well, he hasn't scored in about 10 hours or something, has he? Oh, uh, I'm not something sure about like that. that. I, I, saw, I think I saw a stat before the Leicester game that he hasn't scored in, in a fair while. Uh, I don't think Burnley have scored in a fair while either, actually. I mean, they scored against Man City, uh, courtesy of George Boyd, but that's the that last... Three, three weeks ago or something, yeah. I think. But I'm looking at the table now. Burnley at bottom with 26 points. They Leicester and Sunderland have played one game less than them. So if Sunderland win, they go to 33 points, which stretches Burnley's safety to five points because Leicester will drop down. 
Like, Leicester win as well. Burnley are pretty much gone, I think. To be fair, though, Hull, Leicester and Sunderland's games in hand are against Liverpool, Chelsea and Arsenal, respectively. So mm-hmm. you can't quite hand them the three points, except perhaps, in our case, against Liverpool. What to do, But, but I mean, it, it, I do think the relegation battle will go down to the final day, and I don't think we'll have anyone mathematically relegated. We might... I mean, Burnley might be mathematically relegated by the final day, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if all three spots were still up in contention by the final day. Villa, Villa are in a bit of strife, so I mean, they're only two points clear as well, so... Villa, I think if, the issue for Villa if, is, is they'll do what... They, they might have the danger of falling into what happened with Wigan two years ago and, and to an extent us last season, where they take their eye off the league to an extent. The players don't <laughs> want to get injured before the FA Cup final. They, they're starting to look ahead yeah. to that. Um and that can really affect their form. Well, if, if say if Sunderland win the game in hand, which I don't think they will because you said it was against Arsenal. 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 So that puts them on 33 points, which would put Leicester back to 18th, Hull down to 17th, Villa to 16th, and Sunderland would jump up to 15th. So, I mean, it, it's unlikely. I, I hope someone win it. To me, they're just a nothing club. Yeah. It was a... They made the League Cup final last year, though. Yeah, but who, who knew that besides you and... I didn't even fans. know that. It was only SM. <laughs> <laughs> I think, and QPR, I just, I've never been a fan of them at all. And I think Burnley, while they ha- did get some nice results against the bigger size, they just, I don't think they've offered enough to, to justify um, having another season in the Premier League. Apart from being undefeated to Man City, which is brilliant. But uh, no, I mean, if QPR... United on the opening day to opening round two, I think. No, they, I think they played Chelsea, but um, they, yeah, they drew with United at the start of the season but I think yeah. if, Q- if QPR go down they're in real trouble because um, the report that was released last week about uh, the wage bills I think QPR's got the 7th highest in the Premier League yeah because they'll lose all the team there I see that they could go into administration they're in real trouble if they're well, relegated especially because if they get relegated they'll be forced to pay the uh, £50 million fine to the Football League which they're currently yeah. exempt from because they're in the Premier League, but um, it'd be a massive hit to them financially. Yeah, and you can't. You, you, you'd imagine oh, they might get a bit in chance of things like guys like Sandro, maybe Robert Green, Austin. Austin, yeah, Austin uh, will get uh, them a bit. That, those, the sales of those three players will cover them, but then that's bad in a way. They need that money to reinvest in the squad. But I mean, you, I, I can't see them staying. But they've been dire for most of the season. Without Austin, they've been real strife. Well, absolutely. Isn't, Sorry, isn't. Uh, Financial fair play supposed to stop these situations, or no? they are, and basically QPR's said, you know, given given the two fingers to the financial fair play. Yep, two fingers to the financial fair play. Right. Um, it all sounds uh, well. We've, we've talked about this this at length, but it all sounds a bit silly. How um, the I guess larger teams with more spending power get capped, and the smaller teams. Yeah, I mean, there's no point finding a small like. QPR. I mean, what's the point? You need to kind of help them or deduct points or do some other. Have do some other um, do what do what happened to Nottingham Forest in the Championship and give them a transfer embargo? Because if you're legitimately trying to protect a club from itself, the only way to do so is to actually stop them from going on spending sprees and actually buying the players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, then, that, I don't know if they can sell players either with an embargo. They can I think can can they sell players? Because is Barcelona able to sell players at the moment? I, well, they're able to buy players. Because they well, they're meant to be under a transfer embargo, aren't they? Yeah, but stop combining Luis Suarez, yeah. Sturgeon, like, and a whole bunch of other players. Yeah. 
I mean, but do, do, uh, just on the relegation thing, do you think uh, Hull are going to be right, SM? Or well, I, I, it's crazy what a win can do <clears throat> to a team's confidence. Yeah. You know, a week ago, a week ago, I thought we were almost certainties to go down. Um, looking at that Palace game and thinking there was no chance we'd get anything out of it, and you know, fast forward seven days and we've we've got a brilliant win where the team played fantastic. It wasn't it wasn't as if it was against a run of play or we were playing on the counter. We dominated Palace. We had twenty one shots. Uh, dominated possession and and basically had all the clear cut chances apart from I think Palace had one or two and it's sort of you watch a performance like that and you think geez you know if we can play like that you know against Burnley and against say Liverpool and Spurs as probably our three games where we could get something you know we only need three or four more points and I, I would say we're basically safe because Sunderland the the thing is you, you can look at you can look at when when Leicester sorry. Sunderland had the worst run. I think they had to play all yeah. the big sides. Like they're they they pretty much when, the last time I was going to coffin, but they're, they're five five and a half feet under. When Le- when Leicester were bottom, you could be sort of worried because they were in great form that they might overtake us. But you look at the bottom three now, and as we were just saying, I mean Sunderland, QPR, and Burnley are all are all in pretty awful form. Um, yeah. Sunderland struggling to score goals, Burnley struggling to score goals, and QPR can't. You know, can't basically win away from home unless it's against a Sunderland or or someone like that or West Brom. Um, and and they've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Southampton still to play, um, along with al- along with Leicester, who who suddenly look pretty undefeatable. Um, and and Everton. Uh, so Sunderland, I'd say, are basically done. And if you look at that and then you think, okay, well, if Sunderland are done, then the next one you have to worry about is QPR, who are suddenly four points behind us. Um, yeah. And we've got Burnley to play. So if we beat Burnley at home, Burnley have one away win for the season. If we beat Burnley at home, I'd almost call us safe. Yeah, I mean it's very closest drops that I can remember in, in quite a while in terms of point points difference between say fifteenth and twentieth. Yeah, um, just but just on us, <clears throat> I did want to give a special mention to Darman Doy because he's been absolutely fantastic since he came in. Uh, he's got something like five goals in nine games for us. And, you know, when you go out and buy a striker in January, when you're in a relegation battle, you need them scoring goals pretty quickly. And he's he's really done that. And I think pretty much every goal he's scored has earned us points. So, you know, as a, as a points to goals tally, he, he's been absolutely incredible value at two million. Um, mm. And if he was, you know, two or three years younger, then that might have meant that <clears throat> some clubs would come sniffing. But I think because he's 30 years old now, um, he's probably past... His, I mean, he came to us because he wanted to have a taste of the Premier League, but I think he's a bit past the point where he can sort of take that step up to a bigger club if he wanted it. So um, probably a bit late in his career, but you know, not, I'm not complaining from our point of view. How old is he? Uh, he's 30. Oh, he's, yeah, just, well, he's just turned 30. Maybe a year or two out of him, and then it can help you push up the table a bit and obviously gives you a bit more money than you can buy someone else. But, yeah. I mean, I, I hope for your sake, Hull, Hull stay up. Oh, I hope so too. And I mean, after the after the win against Palace, it all suddenly becomes believable again, achievable. Um, we hadn't won since beating QPR, which is I think it was six games. So you can sort of lose the faith a bit after six. Yeah. You know, we had a couple of draws, a couple of losses, but uh, you know, you could just look at the confidence that the Leicester supporters on the board have now because they've won four in a row. They're out of the relegation zone. They're basically believing that they're already safe. And, and they feel safe. And, and I, I feel almost safe as well. And it's just incredible what, what one win can do. But then you wonder if Leicester... Say Leicester lose to Chelsea. Yeah. At the bridge, I think I think Chelsea will win that game no matter how high morale at Leicester yeah. is. I think um, it might bring them back down to earth a bit again. And maybe they might... Maybe we might be going down still, but... Oh, I look, mean, it might. It depends on the manner, I think. 
if they if they lose like two or three nil, then maybe it will. But if they if they lost say two one or three two or something, I think they'd still feel pretty confident. And they've got Newcastle next weekend, so um, I, I, I think Chelsea will look to score two goals and then just shut up shop. Yeah, that, that's what, like one one isn't a second up one guy. I think uh, Mourinho side that scores two and then just defend. Like I can see a team no disrespect to Leicester, but a team like Leicester. Get, Past the Mourinho defence like that. Sure, but I think I think the Leicester supporters will see the Chelsea game as a free hit now. Um, if they if they'd only won say one or two games, then they might have seen ch- the Chelsea game as a game they really needed points out of. But the way they're playing and the, the amount of points they've now got, um, I don't think there's as much pressure going into the game. So they sort of just see it as a free hit, and if they get something, they get it. But if not, it it shouldn't have too much of a say on whether they stay up. Yeah, definitely will go down to the wire. Yeah, it will go down. I think it will go down to the final day purely because of the the fixtures on the final day. I mean, Leicester playing QPR and Burnley playing Villa, who could be feasibly in that bottom four bracket. So um, there could be a lot of uh, permutations on the final day. And Sunderland obviously have Chelsea, um, but you just have to look at last season to see that Sunderland, when they get in the in the trouble, can really pull yeah. their finger out and, and start winning games. But I I don't think Sunderland. Uh... Have, have the ability to do that now. I don't even know who their manager is, to be honest. Oh, Dick. It's Dick. Yeah, big, big Dick. Big Dick. Um, he's got to. He's got. He's got to pull his finger out and, and start getting uh, some wins. I don't think he's yeah. won a game yet. Oh, he beat. He beat Newcastle. Yeah. You'd hope he's an advocate of not being relegated. <laughs> hope he has the balls uh. to uh, get the job done. <laughs> God, we're terrible. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll move on from from talking about the uh, relegation battle. We might get your thoughts on. Um, Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, and uh, Team of the Year, boys. I deserved who I would have who, who I would have said. Um, Hazard has been a step above the rest, and I, I don't think anyone would disagree with that. He's he's pretty much the reason why Chelsea are going so so well. I mean, they'd be doing well without him, but I mean, he's been a, probably the, their key player to 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 spurring them on. And I mean, he's a delight to watch as well. And I don't think anyone would. I'd, of, of, of uh, the, the PFA award. I, I don't disagree, but I actually had someone else for um, Player of the Year purely because of uh, significance of the team, and I went with Sanchez because he's transformed Arsenal from yeah. top four contender to a title contender. I mean, yeah. you can't you can't overstate Hazard's influence, and I agree, so I have no issue with him being Player of the Year, but when you look at the players around him, and you've got Costa and, and uh, Matic and Fabregas all contributing as well. Yeah. Whereas Sanchez is sort of he's come in and he's lifted all the other Arsenal players to a new level. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, and I'm great. I'm great that he's on our books. Like, it's great that he's on our books. But um, I mean, Sanchez Sanchez unlucky probably, but yeah. I mean, I, I I can't you can't fault Hazard for, yeah. for 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 taking out the going and and Kane Kane well deserved as well for young player of the young year. Young player of the year. Yeah, I think we're all agreed on Kane for young player I'm of the year. Young and not not in their mid twenties. Bayern. Well. For me, I've gone a little bit different uh, to you guys. So, the, I mean, the player that I've enjoyed watching the most this year, and he's turned, you know, his team from title challenges to mid-table mediocrity, is Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard. Stephen Gerrard, player of the year. Yep, he's, he's dragged Liverpool back towards mid-table mediocrity in the Europa League. Had a fantastic season uh, to watch. And for young player of the year, and getting a little bit more serious, um... I guess I had a top three of um, Harry Kane, David De Gea, and Totala. 
from Arsenal. I thought he's had. I think he's had a fantastic year and really filled a gap, which has is been blaring. Cochrane. Oh, Cochrane. Yeah. So, like, he only the police officer that Henri calls him. Um, Cochrane only came back in November, so I guess that maybe eliminated him a bit as well. But I mean, he he's been a, another revelation at, at Arsenal. If a player mm. if a player can be like out on loan at Charlton for the first three months of the year and then come back and win Young Player of the Year, I think that'd be pretty incredible as a yeah. uh, as a Charlton supporter. But he's, a, he's, he's another reason. Um, no, he is. Yeah. So well, I think. I mean, Sanchez obviously scored all the goals, but Cochrane has has stopped a lot of them. So I mean, it's it, hopefully he signs a deal and. Uh, he can, he can become a long-term DM. I think Coughlin highlights just how much you need a good DM because, I mean, no. I wouldn't say Coughlin's an amazing player by any stretch, but he's a half-decent player, and he's just shot. having a half-decent player has transformed you so much as well. So, and yeah. look at Chelsea with Matic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, DM's a very understated role, and generally teams without one do struggle, and you need a big body, not a big body, but you need a strong body with physical presence in midfield to, to break up attacks and, and uh, oncoming plays. So, I mean, it's it's what we've been missing for years and it's great to see that out of luck by injuries from other players, it finally got addressed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on to Team of the Year and, and who are your thoughts for Team of the Year? Uh, I'll start with Boyan. Okay, Team of the Year. I've gone for a 3-4-3 three, three formation. Yep. There's no bloody way Gary Cahill's turning into my team of the year. Um, <laughs> Whatever for? The Hayer in goal, uh, Klein, Terry, and Aspilicueta. Okay. And in, mid- in midfield, Eden Hazard, Nemanja Matic, Fabregas, and David Silva. So not bad there. And up front, um, yeah, Harry Kane, Sergio Aguero, and Alexi Sanchez with Costa a bit stiff, but I don't think he stood out as much as the three I just mentioned. <laughs> I, I think Quinn got shafted, really. He's a top goal scorer, and it seems players, I think Kiza mentioned it, or Moomba, players just don't seem to like him. Yeah, I, I can't quite understand it, because he's, it's, I mean, but for mine, he's been the best striker in the league since he turned up in England. So, that he hasn't got that kind of recognition is quite bizarre. I, maybe the players have this perception, because, I guess, everyone has this perception that he's quite injury-prone, but he's actually, I think Moomba um, posted that he might have even played, played more games than Harry Kane and Diego Costa this year. And then and still more goals, more assists, and still somehow hasn't got in Team of the Year. Yeah, I mean, very, very, very stiff. But, I mean, you can't really fit all of them in unless you do a, a 4-3-3. And I don't, I don't think that's the way English English things work. It's just a 4-4-2, and then they try and make it work. But very, very stiff. Who, well, they, they we, tried to make a work and they put in spuds, so I'd rather <laughs> change the formation yeah. and have a half-decent side. What, what, what was your thoughts, Cruyff? I'd have uh, Simon Mignolet. <laughs> oh, no. And Regine. Yeah. Also, I'd have the right choice, Courtois, Steve. Klein at right full-back. Font and Terry in the middle. Aspi on the left, Bertrand unlucky. Matic in the middle was either, you can have Fabregas, Silva... Um, Kazola's done well. Ozil's done well. I mean, it's a, it's a, take a pick for the number ten. It doesn't really matter. Sanchez and Azard on the wing. Yep. And on the wings, and I'd go Kane and uh, Aguero up front purely because I like Aguero more than Costa. Yeah, our our teams are identical except I have Bertrand over over Aspi, and then Matic defensive mid, Silver attacking mid, and Sanchez Hazard on the wings. But yeah, I mean, very very similar team, yeah. 
with with the number ten, he does like Sil- Silver gets undersold as well. I mean, he's he's consistent, but he sort of just goes about his business, and no one sort of talks about it. Fabregas. I mean, he's got sixteen assists for the season. Grant, yes, he's had a quiet second half, but you can't you can't have sixteen assists and just sort of gloss over it, sort of thing. And um, Coutinho, no no business there, in my opinion. And I thought Cazorla's done well too. Maybe that's a bit of bias, but I mean, oh, Cazorla's had a good season. He's he's done really well for the most part. So I mean. The number ten role doesn't it's pick or choose really, but Silver Fabregas doesn't matter which one. But and then Kane and Aguero are fun just because I like um, Aguero more than uh, Costa. Um, if Giroud had stayed injury free, it would have been quite an interesting discussion because he's obviously he's, scoring he's, at quite a good rate. He's not. I mean, he missed what three months, and he, I think he's the fourth top scorer in the league or something. Yeah. So I mean, he, I guess, but the strikers is a bit different. But I mean. He, he, yeah, he, he would have been. It would have been interesting if if he'd been in, been in great form had he not had he not got injured. But I mean, the, the Kane, Aguero, and Costa one's going to be unlucky if you're playing two up top. And it, it pick or choose, it doesn't matter. You're still gonna. It's it's still a good side. Fair enough. Um, and then um, I don't know if you guys have have given it much thought. But one further question I wanted to to ask you is who do you guys think was the most important player to their team? Who who which player has had the most impact on their team getting results? <sighs> Charlie Austin yeah. would be would be one of them. I'd say Sanchez as well. Um, Coquelin, as as Boyan mentioned. I mean, but Austin is sort of one that sticks out because without him, who's going to score QPR's goals? I think he scored something like two-thirds of their goals or, or some huge percentage of their goals. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think Austin's Austin's definitely someone that, that deserves to be in, in that conversation. But if you're looking outside the, the big sides, but I mean, De, De Hay... Is another? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a fair point as well. So I'd I'd say probably Azard Sanchez. Hey, um, you could say Bertrand from from Southampton maybe. Um, Schneiderlin. Schneiderlin. Uh, what was I saying? And and Austin, I guess. I mean, they're they're ones that and and maybe Cockerlan to a to a lesser extent. But I mean, oh, Ericsson for Spurs did very and Kane can't be forgotten either. <laughs> what about? I mean, uh, DJ Lovren and Stephen Jarrett. Crucial Liverpool's results this season. Yeah, I mean, to, uh, Austin is one that I think slips a bit under because he plays for QPR. But that, that uh, I don't think he'd look out of place in, in in that answer. Now, I was I was having a discussion last night about who, uh, who's had the better career, uh, Stephen Gerrard or Roy Keane, and the comment was made, "Well, Gerrard hasn't ended enough people's careers." And I said, "What are you talking about? He's ended his own, and he's probably going to end Brendan Rodgers as well." See, he's 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 a, he's a, he's a <laughs> you should post that in a thread because like, this, but you should post that in a thread that will that will wrap up a ton of likes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting question, though. I yeah. mean, they're different players, but could, I don't think you could split them to be honest. Yeah, they've they've, King, they've, they've had King, very yeah. King won more titles, I think, but I mean, I apologise, United fan. I, I apologise, but um, I, I, it's it's hard to split. But at the end of the, I'd take Lampard over Gerrard anyway. So yeah, that was that was the other um, side of that question. And I think Lampard's shown that he can he can still play at a higher level later in his career. And I think that's got to give him the edge over Gerrard in that discussion. Definitely. And I mean, he he, he had five seasons. I was reading an article last night. He had five seasons where he scored twenty goals or more. Yeah, as a as Almost a midfielder, that's pretty incredible. Goal. Yeah. Um, Boyan, who are your thoughts for most important player? Did you have anyone to add, or 
Croft sort of covered them all. Oh, I think. Um, well, I know I know they've come home strong, but Arsenal would be nowhere near where they are unless Alexi Sanchez put that team on his back in the first yeah. ten to fifteen games of the year. They I were agree. captain, and he just I, carried them. I I agree one hundred and ten percent. Yeah. I, I I don't think that like that was a signing we needed a, a big money signing and I think it lifted the dressing room as well. He's made everyone else play better, and I think it's it's definitely showed over the season. Obviously, yeah. The only other player I'd throw in the ring is with my biased glasses on is is uh, Jelovic purely because scoring eight goals in a side like Hull, who I mean QPR create a lot of chances, so you could perhaps say that's why Austin gets so many goals. But scoring eight goals for Hull. Uh, and before yesterday, we hadn't won a game without him in the side, so uh, he was a pretty vital player to us over the season, um, but obviously not to the same level as, as Austin or Sanchez, so I do I do agree. I think Sanchez probably, for mine, um, obviously with my reasoning for player of the year with Sanchez, I, th- I think Sanchez has to be the player, because he's, he's transformed that Arsenal side. I mean, his work rate just brings all the other players up to his level. Uh, he de- he kind of demands that they get that sort of same, that same work rate going, Um yeah, I mean, I mean, he's it's what he adds, he adds a lot off the ball. As you said, the work rate he makes runs off the ball. He drags defenders out of position. I mean, absolutely phenomenal play. Yeah. Um. Well, we might look ahead now, Car, quickly to to the games next week, and and we've got some games midweek as well. We'll just touch on very quickly. Um. So we might start. We've already talked about them a little bit, but we might just start with um the Leicester against Chelsea and the Hull against Liverpool games, and and your thoughts on those ones. Oh yeah, it can go. So uh, Hull at home. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I t- there's got to be goals in that game because well, those two teams can't really defend. So I'll go for two-two. <laughs> yeah. In that game. Yeah. And um, Chelsea Leicester. Well, I've been kind of calling Chelsea to slip up for some time, and they really haven't. So, uh, surely I you can't tip Chelsea, Leicester five in a row. Chelsea to win five nil. <laughs> <laughs> They do I, that at the end of the season when they when they've scraped off their nil nils and the one nils and just snuck here clear. Once they've actually won the title confirmed, they open it up and just start belting minnows. Yeah, uh, expecting to do it again. I I, I I wouldn't be surprised if if Hull got a result against Liverpool. To be honest, I mean they they don't look good. Yeah, I mean, I mean Roger, Roger, Rogers is in a lot of trouble. I don't think I, I don't think he'll be in charge next season. And I mean the whole Gerard thing is the fairy tale is over. If Lovren's playing centre-back, he's not getting exposed. Granted, he had a good game against West Brom, but, I mean, Hull might nick it. And being at home, they've got the home crowd on their side, the atmosphere, chanting and whatnot. I mean, it, it, it could work in Hull's favour, and it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they get a result against Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, trying, trying to speak objectively, but Hull have a lot more to play for than Liverpool, um, and Liverpool's season's basically done. Uh, I know Rodgers came out with all the talk that, oh, we'll win five in a row, and... and Put pressure on the top four, but they've got they've got basically nothing to play for now. I suspect he'll start Gerrard. He'll give Gerrard a run of games because it's his last run of games with Liverpool. Um, and that that'll probably affect the way they play. And and yeah, like you say, I mean the confidence will be up for the Hull players. They've just got a massive win against Palace. There'll be belief there, and they'll yeah. go out and they'll they'll get in Liverpool's faces, and the crowd will be on. I mean. The other interesting side, you mentioned the crowd. Liverpool fans are planning to boycott the game uh, in a ticket price protest, which, I mean, Better good, good on them. Uh, that's beautiful. What's that? That's beautiful for Hull. Well, yeah, exactly. So, um, apparently a whole bunch of them have bought 
kids' tickets or something, and they're just not going to go. Um, so there'll be a bunch of empty seats there from from a Liverpool perspective. Uh, so hopefully the crowd can get right right in in Liverpool's face, and and we can get a result. Yeah. I, I wouldn't put it past them. And. I, I think I can't see Chelsea slipping up to Leicester. I mean, at home as yeah. well, they win that game, they win a title. I think Mourinho will really. Urge oh no, them it's, to at, go it's at Leicester. Yeah. It's at Leicester. Also, it's at the Bridge. No, no, it's it's at um the King Power. Oh, oh that, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. Um, well, like if if Leicester got a result, it wouldn't surprise me. But having said that, I'd probably say eighty percent Chelsea. Well, yeah, I think the danger for Leicester will be. Because their confidence is up, they'll go out and they'll really attack Chelsea, and that'll leave them quite exposed. Yeah, Chelsea hit them on the break, back yeah. one 0 So yeah. I yep. think, yeah, I look, I, I look forward to seeing um, Eden Hazard running at Fulton Chelsea. <laughs> even matchup that one. He will brick himself. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm, it, it'd be nice to Leicester get for Leicester to get a result because uh, Chelsea won't lose the title for me. It's no. virtually impossible, but. I mean, if, it'd be nice for Leicester, but I just can't see it happening. Now, looking ahead to next week's fixtures, uh, the important question. Leicester play Newcastle in the opening, in the early game. If if Leicester win that game, are Newcastle in serious danger of relegation? Well, Newcastle are on 35 points. So let's say Leicester lose to um, Chelsea, so, and then they beat Newcastle. That puts them on 34 one point behind Newcastle. Depends what happens in the Villa game and your game against Liverpool, but it could drag into it, though I think they might still have enough because it's they're still five points ahead of Sunderland. Yeah. So but it, it's not at Newcastle but Newcastle absolutely shocking under Carver. Oh God, he's awful. An abomination of a manager. <laughs> he's lost something is it seven or eight in a row now? I don't I don't you wonder like a club like Newcastle they have a seventy thousand uh Cedar Stadium, they they would make a boatloading gate for you. They should be sort of top seven, I I think, with yeah. with a club of their stature, size, income, whatever. They can they they can sign some good players, but I mean, it's just what's what's got, ever since Bobby Robson left, or, or maybe Pardew, like Pardew was the first portion, but I mean, ever since that tumultuous run with Pardew um, f- from the start of last year, they've been absolutely woeful and. I mean, they're lucky to be in 14th. The Premier League was up to general standards. I think they'd be a lot lower than 14th. Well, they had that season where they finished 5th, and I thought that was just about their level. You know, 5th, 6th sort of range, competing with Everton and Spurs. Um, yeah. So they're, they're really playing within themselves. And you've got to wonder why no, there's no interested parties in um, purchasing Newcastle if they're, if they're supposedly on the market. Um, because like you say, the potential's there for them to be a massive club. And yeah. surely, surely, if a new owner came in, got the fans on side, um, there's there's the potential for them to do quite well. Um, so I don't. I mean, they've, they've got a huge following. So I mean, it's just obviously it's it's Mike Ashley. That's 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 the core the core issue the core issue there. But I mean, it's they could be dragged into it if, if they do lose. But I can't see them going down. Which it's lucky for them that the the, the quality of the Premier League hasn't been up to standard this year. Yeah, you'd, you'd probably have to see Sunderland winning a couple of games, but their next game's against Southampton. Um, at, it's at the Stadium of Light, um, but you can't you can't really see them winning that, can you? Because I mean, Southampton are, are sort of in pretty decent form at the moment. Um, arguably, could have beaten Spurs. They looked the better side for much, most of that game, um, and they'll be wanting to finish the season pretty strongly. 
They're competing with Liverpool and Spurs for that fifth spot, basically. Yeah, I mean, I hope I hope uh, Southampton get it. I think that they've 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 won a lot of neutrals over, and 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 nobody really dislikes them. And I mean, it's always good to see Liverpool and Spurs fail. Let's be honest. But um, I, I I hope they get fifth, and they they were in the top three or four, whatever it was earlier on in in, in the season. So it'd be good to see them consolidated and and really really push on after all the players they lost in the off season. Yep. Yeah. Do you think the uh, Southampton players will turn down moves to Liverpool this year? <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't, yeah. Klein, isn't Klein basically linked to uh, a move to Arsenal? Was it Arsenal or... Mate, United. United, United sorry. Locked yeah. that in, Eddie. He's, he's done. Schneiderlin, I reckon, to Arsenal. Yeah, we've been linked with Schneiderlin, but yeah. whether we sign him... I actually had a dream that I met Arsene Wenger and I told okay, just sign Schneiderlin, that's all we need. <laughs> We just need a DM. I'm like, get Schneiderlin and um, But, I mean, that was last night too, actually. And Venga had think... the same dream and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I think Schneiderlin wants Champions League football, so I think the lure of a, of a top four club might be too much to resist. I, don't, I can't see City. He's never been linked with City. Um, obviously, with being French, they've got the French connection sort of thing, so... And Koscielny too. So I mean, it'd be good if we sign him, but then we'd be overstacked in midfield. But I guess that's never a bad thing with all our injuries. But I mean, I can't see many Southampton players wanting to jump ship to Liverpool, sort of thing, considering they're on the same level, if not better. The only issue is, I mean, you look at Southampton's wage bill, and I think it's the fifteenth or sixteenth highest wage bill. So there's obviously reasons there why players would be happy to jump ship. It's you know to double or triple their wages. Um, but you'd hope with the way that they're playing now yeah. that the players would perhaps sacrifice that to an extent to play in, in you know, this solid group that they've got together now uh, that's obviously capable of challenging, if not for Europa places, if, if they might be able to push on and challenge for the top four if they recruit well. I, I, I think top four, even if they do recruit well, is a bit of a push. I think we saw, I think it was mentioned earlier on in the season that fatigue would get to them, and it obviously did. But, I mean, you need... It's one thing to have depth, but it's another thing to have good depth. I think if they, if they, rec- I mean, they've been linked to Charlie Austin. I think if they got him in as backup to Pella, if they got um, maybe another couple of creative midfielders, because mm. I think Elia and Mane, Mane's been good for them, but he's not been too consistent. Uh, yeah. If they bring in another creative midfielder and, and a backup striker, they might be able to, you know, consolidate or push on a little bit. But I think uh, you're right in the sense that they they don't have the same quality of depth as the top four. But yeah. you know. Um, you want to be up in that equation, and that's and that's where Newcastle should be as well, as we were saying earlier. Mm. But I, I, if, if I think Southampton, after all the players they lost, I think if they even if they finish seventh, which I think is the lowest they'll finish because it's seven points ahead of Swansea, um, I think even seventh is is a great achievement for them. Yeah, but they should aim for fifth, in my opinion. Now, uh, the final game of next week, as you should probably know, Cruyff is is Hull and Arsenal. Um, the last time we played each other was quite interesting with Sanchez. We had a bet on... Or was it Sanchez or Welbeck who scored the equaliser? Um, was it Welbeck? I can't, I can't I remember. remember. A, I 85th minute we, equaliser or something. We, we had a bet. Yeah, we did. Should we, should we, should we recreate that again? Oh, I'm not yeah. as confident this time. Um, I might get back to you on the board after the uh, Liverpool game. See how we go against <laughs> Liverpool. That's fine. That's, that's fine. Take your time to think about it. But I mean, 
it'd be Halo be up for it. It's it's a way too, I think. Yeah, it's at the case. Okay, so yeah. I mean, but I, I think we we might have a bit too much quality. Yeah. But how if they get a winning game against Liverpool, I think they'll definitely be up for it. But um, I think the form we're in, it will be hard to contain us. It will be. Yeah, that's the thing. Is you guys are in pretty fantastic form, and that's we, why. We I... Had, I, I think the last one we had no Ozil, no Giroud. Yeah, um, I think Ozil. Yeah, was a full back. Gibbs was at full back. Chesney was playing. Bellerin, I mean, Bellerin debuted that day, I think. Completely different. Team. Oh, yeah. did he? Ah, okay. Well, it's it's pretty completely different team to um what what we've seen so or what we saw back what, November maybe. Um, so I think at the KC it gives you a bit of a chance but I, I, I'd be disappointed if we didn't win No, I, I agree I mean, I can see us getting something against Liverpool or Spurs but um, I think Arsenal and, and even Man United are probably a bit too too far beyond us Yeah what do, I'd be interested to hear what uh, Bayern thinks about our match FA Cup final rematch Yeah um, <laughs> He said it, not me <laughs> <laughs> no, That completely slipped my mind <laughs> I hope it's a close game, but um, even Arsenal's form, I think they might rip off their head and shit down their neck. So absolutely <laughs> I mean, I think the danger is that we could go into it and sit back and hope for a draw, and that will just invite Arsenal on. I, I, can, I can see it just being... I mean, our games either seem to be 2-0 or 2-all lately. Um, I, I, I guess it's like Calder, I think we have the quality to unlock the defence. No disrespect, but... Yeah. No, that's what. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we're experts at defending and and whatnot. But Charles will try to do that. It's not gonna. It might work for say forty or fifty minutes, but eventually, I think we'd have enough quality to get through and 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 uh, break the deadlock. No, I agree. I think that's been our big downfall this season is relying too much on our defence being capable of keeping sides out, and we've we've let in a lot of late goals as a result. Uh, and I think the danger is, yeah, if we sit back against Arsenal, we don't have the pace in defence to deal with Sanchez and Welbeck and, and those sorts of players, if if Welbeck plays. Um, so it, it, it it's much better, I think, to try and get on the front foot. Uh, and being yeah. at home, maybe we'll do that, but I'm, I'm not too sure. Um, so that'll... It'll be an interesting one, but I'd be surprised if we got something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, any any final thoughts from you boys? Um, it's fantastic. <laughs> and a special one. Title done, top four done. Um, I guess relegation yeah, race to look I, at. Title charge is, 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 my, is my closing comment. Title charge. Parlay, you know. title charge. Until <laughs> <laughs> next year, Louis. <laughs> oh, well. Thanks for joining me, boys. Thank you. No worries. And thanks to everyone for listening in. Uh, Until next week, we'll see you on the forum. 